Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message from Pastor John Lindell, lead pastor at James River Church. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. The title of the message is When the Church Prays. We're in Acts chapter 12. Powerful things happen when the church prays. You know, a lot of people make the mistake and say, well, hey, prayer is powerful, so I can just stay home and pray, and I get the same result as gathering with the church when they pray. Not true. There is a place for you and I to pray, but there is also a place for us to gather together and to pray with one another, and there are some things that will happen in our life only in that context. I mean, listen to this in Matthew chapter 18. Jesus says, again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. The word there for agree, symphoneo, we get our word symphony from it. What do you have with the symphony? You have different instruments playing different parts, which when put together, the harmony creates a sum that is greater than the parts. There are some masterpieces musically that are only possible when you have a symphony. Can somebody have a solo and play a violin solo and it be powerful? Certainly. But that's different than a symphony. And the fact one is good doesn't mean that's all we want. Some of you honestly have been playing a solo when it comes to prayer. Not saying that you're not powerful in some ways and, and that your prayers aren't moving some things in some ways. I'm just saying you're missing about half of what your prayer life could be. Jesus says, when we gather together in agreement, there is answered prayer. You see, there's different kinds of prayer. There's prayers of thanksgiving. There's prayers of faith. There's prayers of agreement. This is why the prayer meeting is so, so important. Because when you and I come together, what happens, it not only facilitates answered prayer, but I would suggest to you it does so exponentially. You say, what do you mean? Well, it won't take time to look at it, but in, in, you can just write it down. In Deuteronomy chapter 32, Moses makes this statement about Israel, and he says, if they were wise, they would understand this, that with God's blessing, one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Very interesting, isn't it? You'd think if if one could put 1,000 to flight, two would put 2,000 to flight, but that's not what it says. See, that's the power of agreement, that when you and I are operating together under the blessing of God, within the purposes of God, it exponentially increases the working of God and the power of God in our life, in our setting, and in the lives of people around us. This is why the prayer meeting is so important. In January 1998, we started the prayer meeting. From the moment we started praying on Wednesday nights, 
exponentially. We began to see more people saved. We began to see more people baptized in water, more people filled with the Spirit. We began to see more of God doing what only God could do. Because when the church prays, it changes everything. And not only has changed the church, but it's changed the lives of everybody who's been a part of the prayer meeting in a very profound way. Because when the church prays, powerful things happen. In Acts chapter 12, we come to a passage that's an example of that. It's a record of the apostles being imprisoned. And what you're going to see is when the church prays, things happen. When the church doesn't pray, things don't. I mean, it's, it's, it's a very graphic illustration of, of not only the reality of praying together, but the urgency of it. Acts chapter 12, verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. Now, let me just say this. When you get to Herod, because there's a lot of different Herods mentioned in the gospel record and mentioned again in the book of Acts, they're not all the same person. So the, the, the most famous or infamous of the Herods was Herod the Great. He's the one who tried to kill the baby Jesus. He was a psychopathic leader. I mean, he murdered three of his sons, was married 10 times, was killed some of his wives, killed some of his in-laws. And the Herod we're reading about here was his grandson, and he had killed, Herod the Great had killed this guy's dad. When he murdered his dad, Herod the Great sent him to Rome. And while he was in Rome being educated, he became friends with a Roman person of influence by the name of Caligula. At the time, Tiberius was emperor of Rome, and Herod, known as Herod Agrippa, his name was Agrippa, he began to suggest to people that he wished Tiberius was dead so that Caligula could be emperor, and when Tiberius heard about it, he put him in prison. Six months later, Tiberius died. Caligula became the emperor, and in gratitude, he set Agrippa free. He gave him a chain of gold equal to the weight of the chains he wore in prison, and he sent him back to the land of Israel and put him over as much territory as his grandfather had been. That's this guy. He knows that he has very few friends in Rome because he ran up a lot of debts, made a lot of enemies. He knows that the only way he can keep Rome's favor is to keep peace in the land. And the way you do that is you appease the Jewish leadership. And the way you appease the Jewish leadership is you persecute the Christians. So that's what's behind all of this and what we read. Acts chapter 12, verse 3. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. In verse 5, we read this. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And that sets the stage for three things that happen when the church prays. I hope you write them down because they'll encourage your heart and they'll reinforce to you the importance of gathering together in prayer. And listen, I'm not, I'm not encouraging your attendance at the prayer meeting because nobody's coming. I mean, the place is getting very close to being full. 
I'm encouraging your attendance, and obviously if it's full, it's because it's full for a reason. I'm encouraging your attendance because it will absolutely, radically, powerfully change your life in ways you can't begin to imagine. Number one, when the church prays, miracles happen. That's amazing. I would suggest to you, we see a lot of miracles on Wednesday night. A lot of things happen. We see them on Sunday, but we see a lot on Wednesday. Because when the church prays, there is an atmosphere of faith that changes everything, not only in, in, each, in my life and in your life if you're there, but the lives of people who step in. I've had several, we've had several people visit recently, and all of them have made this comment. When you step into that room, it is the, the faith in the room is palpable. You can feel the faith in the people. It's, it's, they, they can tell that the people who've come there on Wednesday night believe absolutely anything is possible. That's what happens when you pray. That's what happens when you're in the prayer meeting, and that's the stuff miracles are made of. Let's look at it, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 again. About that time, Herod the king had violent hand, laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Now, what I want you to notice here is nothing is said about the church praying when James was arrested. It's very interesting. And James was martyred. He was killed. But when Peter was arrested, what happens? The church starts praying. And Peter's delivered. All that to say this, some things will only happen when the church prays. Because I want to suggest to you, I'll bet you John was praying for his brother James. I'll bet you there were some other people that were praying, but the church hadn't gathered to pray. And James is martyred. But when Peter's arrested, they're like, oh, come on, we got to get together. We got to call on God. We got to pray earnestly. We've got to seek God as a church. And when they did that, Peter was delivered. Don't fall into the trap of thinking, if it's God's will, it will happen. If it's not, it won't. That's not biblically true. God's will is not always done. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to eternal life. But people still perish, don't they? Sometimes God's will is dependent upon you and I praying it into existence. If we want to see God work, we have to pray. And when as a church we pray, powerful things happen. Look at it in verse 6. Now, when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, so it's the night before Peter's going to be executed. Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. I want you to picture Peter. Here's a picture. The Bible says, Thou will keep him, Isaiah 26, 3, in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. So here's Peter. James has been killed. It's the night before Peter's going to be executed. Peter's not biting his fingernails. Peter's not saying, oh man, I don't know. I don't know. I, I hope I'm brave. I, I hope it doesn't hurt when they, they cut my head off. I, I hope it, you know, I hope my family's okay. He's not worried about anything. He's asleep. 
Can you sleep through your storm? Do you know God well enough? Have you experienced his power enough? Do you, do you trust him enough to say, God, it's raging all around me, but I've got your peace inside me, so it doesn't matter what's going on around me. Peter's not trying to figure it out. Peter's not saying this isn't fair. Peter isn't saying, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Peter's asleep. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. I mean, so the glory of God fills that cell. An angel of the Lord is there, and still he's asleep. He struck Peter on the side. We assume that he kicked him. He just, boom. To get him to wake up, I mean, the guy's a, in a deep sleep, saying, get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. Isn't that cool? Just off instantly. And the angel said to him, dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So he's having to tell him what to do. I mean, come on, Peter, let's get going. Come on, it's some like some of you parents in the morning with your kids, right? And he went out and followed him, and he did not know that what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. And when they passed the first and second guard, so there, I mean, the miracles in this are unbelievable. Chains fall off, angel there. They're, they're going through the gates. The gates are opening. They're walking by the guards, and the guards are not asleep. Because when Herod examines them, they can't explain what happened. The explanation, if they were asleep, was we were asleep, but they're not asleep. They're walking by them. They're invisible. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> then they, when they passed the first and second guard, they came to the iron gate. Watch this. Leading into the city, it opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street and immediately the angel left him. You see, when the church prays, miraculous things are going to happen relative to what we're praying about. God's going to do more than we could ask or imagine. God's going to work in ways. They, the church had no idea this is how it would work. When Peter came to himself, he said, now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all that the Jewish people were expecting. Oh yeah, you really think so? That's good. All that to say, listen, when we pray, extraordinary things happen. You're sitting in, in an example of that. How do you have the different things that have been a part of, of the history of James River, the I love America and the weather and the storms stopping? How do you explain all of the things that are happening, the healings that we've been saying? God is moving when the church prays. Powerful things happen. Things that wouldn't normally happen, happen. The supernatural becomes supernaturally natural. The extraordinary seems to happen at a pace of the ordinary because the church prays. Acts chapter 12, verse 12, then he realized this. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer, recognizing Peter's voice. So she hasn't seen him. She hears his voice in her 
joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. And they said to her, you are out of your mind. Now I'll ask you a question. What have they been praying for? For Peter to be delivered, right? What happened in answer to their prayers? Peter was delivered. What's their response? Are you kidding me? That's impossible. I never thought that would happen. I never thought God would answer prayer. That is, you know what this is showing us? That this story is real. These are human beings, just like you and I. They are as surprised by the answer to prayer as you might be in your situation. But can I suggest to you, God understands that. He included that. But at some point, we got to quit being surprised. We never stop being thankful. We never stop being in awe. But at some point, we ought to say, you know what? I have seen the Lord do this, 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 and this, and I am convinced in my heart he's a God who answers prayer, and when we ask, we receive, and he does the impossible. Well, verse 15, they said to her, you are out of your mind, and she kept insisting it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. Judaism believed in protecting and guiding angels, much like we would in, in Christianity, we would call them guardian angels. And you would find a great deal of biblical uh, example of that. For example, in Psalm 91 and verse 11, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Jesus said, see that you do not look down on one of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. So your guardian angel isn't necessarily watching you. He's watching the Father, which is really good because the Father's saying, hey, pay attention. She's getting ready to do this. Stop her. You know, they're, they're there. They're watching. I mean, Hebrews 1.14 says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? So both the Old and New Testament have this precedent of angels, and you can find specific examples in the book of Daniel, in the book of Exodus, other places of angels guiding and directing and guarding. So it may be that people were saying it's not Peter, his guardian angel, which may be, and in some thought of Jewish tradition, it could have been, they might have thought, well, the guardian angel has come because Peter's been killed. We don't know all that's happening there. And God leaves a measure of mystery and all of that. The fact of the matter is they don't believe it's actually Peter. Verse 16, but Peter continued knocking. And when they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. Can you believe that? I mean, they're hearing, they've been praying and now they are actually hearing the answer to their prayer. And he said, tell these things to James and the brothers. He said, I thought James was dead. No, this is James, the brother of Jesus. So James, the brother of John, one of the 12 disciples was killed with a sword. But James, the brother of Jesus has now become the leader of the church in, in Jerusalem. And you'll see that in Acts 15. 
Then he departed and went to another place. Listen, when we pray as a church, miracles are going to happen. And we've seen a lot of fantastic miracles. We're going to show you a few testimonies here in just a moment. Because I think it's good for you to not only have me read them, I think it's good for you to hear the people say them. Because even as I was listening to them this week and watching them, I was thinking, you know what? There's details they tell that they didn't write down that just make the miracle that much like, wow. But we've not capped out on the miracle. The miraculous events happening. Every healing's great, but there's a whole lot more healings that are going to happen. God is working. God is doing something that is, that is changing your, your life, changing your faith, giving you confidence to go outside these walls and begin praying for people with effect and is also influencing a number of churches in the area and beyond this area to believe God for big things. When we pray, supernatural power is released. So the second thing I want you to know is we'll move quickly through these. When the church prays, God does more than we ask. Here's one of the mysteries of prayer, that as we're praying, God works in our prayers in a way that goes beyond our prayers. Because God knows all that we need. And so God is at work. His answer to our prayers goes beyond the prayers, even in this sense, because as we're praying, we're praying, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, the way it is in heaven, that's, we believe that's your will on earth. And God's will is so big and so grand that the power of our prayers according to his will extends beyond what we ask or can even know. That's why Paul says this in Ephesians 3 and verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. He, I mean, you can't even begin to comprehend how much God can do, how much God wants to do in your life. And he does it according to his power that is at work within us. That's why the, the, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's that power we're talking about. We're talking about his power that changes circumstances, situations. Now, when you look at Acts chapter 12, it's very, very interesting. It's who's causing the problems in Acts chapter 12? Herod Agrippa. And it's interesting that the chapter is bracketed by mention of his name. Look at it, Acts chapter 12, verse 1. About this time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. Then look in verse 23. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him, that's Herod Agrippa, down, because he did not give glory to God, and he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. Here's what's interesting. He was a problem at the start of the chapter. At the end of the chapter, he's not a problem anymore. What happened in the middle of the chapter? The church was praying. Did the church pray for him to be struck down? What's the answer to that? No. God did more than they asked. He removed not just a, a, a persecutor of the church, but a violent persecutor of the church. He was going to kill people. When we as a church pray, God does more than we ask. We think we know what we need. God really knows, right? 
And there are some things that need to be done that haven't even entered our mind or we haven't even yet prayed about. But here's the promise. Matthew chapter 6 says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. Put God's business first and God promises to work in your business even if you didn't ask him. This is why when we come together, you know, honestly, during the prayer meeting or on Sundays when we're praying for a great awakening, we're putting God's business first. And I can promise you this, he'll answer the prayers for a great awakening, but as we're praying for a great awakening, everybody who's praying for that, God's saying, listen, they're taking care of my business, I'm going to take care of theirs. We're praying for the, the kids or the youth or whatever else is going on, conferences, whatever it is we're praying about. When we're taking care of God's business, God says, guess what? I'm going to take care of their business because they've been taking care of my business. And we've seen that over and over again. There are things that need to be done in your life for your good. And God will do those things as you put him first. God will do those things as you pray in your quiet time and as you pray with the church. If you're part of the church, pray with the church. When the church prays, in order for the church to pray, the church has to pray. And everybody here is a part of the church. And when you do, you will see God work in a way you can't begin to imagine. And there is a power that comes with agreement, every single person who comes into the door of any campus or is watching online, you're contributing to the strength. If one will put a thousand to flight, two will put ten thousand. Imagine what six thousand will do as they're calling on God. I mean, I'm not, I didn't do the math on that, but if you like math, I, go ahead and figure it out and tell me. It's amazing. Number three, when the church prays, the church grows. When the church prays, the church grows. That's just how it works. A, pray, a, a church that doesn't pray is a church that doesn't grow. I mean, as soon as we started praying, everything started changing. You know, really, if you look at up to, to 1998, the last three years prior to that, the church was pretty flat. Church starts praying, and all of a sudden, the church starts growing. Church is praying. Our prayer meetings have been better than ever, so what's happening? We're seeing more people saved than ever. The church is growing. It's how it works. And you see this in Acts 12, 24. But the word of God increased and multiplied. The message puts it this way. Meanwhile, the ministry of God's word grew by leaps and bounds. And we're going to watch as we come into Acts 13, and it's the beginning of, of really what is today a missionary movement that started back then and continues today. So I, I'm, just, I'm just saying there's, there's powerful things that happen anytime we pray, but there are some things that will only happen when we join together as a church and pray. For some of you, the key to the situations you're facing is when you'll put the church ahead of yourself in prayer and say, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to be a part of the praying church. I'm going to be a part of other believers. I'm going to, I'm going to be there when they pray for people. we got people coming in from out of town all the time to be prayed for. I'm going to be there to lay hands on them. 
And you watch what will happen in your life. It will, it will change your life. And God will not only take care of the things that you know enough to care about, he'll take care of the things who, that haven't even entered your mind. And you'll see his fingerprints all over your life. And you'll say, God, you are so amazing. Because God does more than we ask when we pray. And people get saved when we pray. And God does miracles when we pray. I watched this video a couple times on Friday. I was just watching it. I was just thinking, God, you are so amazing. So what I want to do is I want to share this video with you. Just stories of people's of what God has done to heal them. Maybe you've heard me read some of these stories. But as you hear them, let faith rise in your heart. Then here's what we're going to do. I don't know what your illness is, and I don't know what your physical need is. But honestly, we're in a season where God is healing, so let's believe God's going to heal, right? You say, well, there's not a testimony with my condition. So why don't, why don't you, as you're sitting there, say, God, let me be the first. Let me be the first. Because you know what? It's kind of like this in the Bible. You know, nobody was killing giants until David did. And then after that, they're killing them left and right. And here's what we see. First, one person gets healed, and then all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people get healed of that same thing. What wasn't happening suddenly starts happening. And you'll see it in the stories here. So let's watch, and let's thank God as we watch. On a Sunday morning on Father's Day, I was healed of Alpha-Gal. So in 2021, I was diagnosed with Alpha-Gal, which is where you have been bitten by a tick that creates a interaction with meat and dairy. It causes rash, palpitations, anaphylaxis in your body, even can lead to anaphylactic shock. And I had to start moving around with an EpiPen available should I come into contact with meat or dairy. I used to walk into a barbecue restaurant and my skin would just break out into a rash. On a Sunday morning at the West Campus, Pastor John was preaching a message that day on, in the Book of Acts on healing. There came a video on the screen of a of an individual saying how they had been healed of alpha-gal. And immediately my heart was stirred and I knew that feeling that I needed to, to go down and to be prayed for. They began to pray for me and just to encourage me and I just began to lift my hands and from there I didn't feel a thing. There was no warm sensation, but I just had a belief that something was different. So I thought I would test it. So I started with cheese. Then I started moving to my favorites, which would have been the hamburger, the Andes. And I ate my first filet Mignon without an EpiPen around, no rashes, no shortness of breath, no heart palpitations. I am completely healed of Alpha-Gal. On a Sunday morning, God completely healed my back. When I was 14 years old, I was diagnosed with scoliosis. I would have pain every single day of my life. Um, it would be hard for me to get out of bed every morning. I took pain medication and that would not help. I would have to go to the chiropractor at least three times a week. My chiropractor said that my spine was in the shape of an S. I just felt that this was just how my life was gonna be. I was just gonna have to deal with that pain every day. I was sitting in church on a Sunday morning and Pastor John had a word of knowledge. He said that God wants to heal people with scoliosis. And my husband and I looked at each other and we just instantly knew that that was for me. People gathered around me and they started praying for me. And I just felt God tell me that I'm healing you right now. I'm healing you today. When we got home that day, I didn't have any more pain, which was incredible. My husband looked at my back and he said, your spine is straight. We decided to measure me to see if I grew any, and I was two inches 
taller, which is amazing. Ever since that day, I have had no more pain. I can spring out of bed with no issues. I don't have to take any medication anymore. I don't have to go to the chiropractor anymore. God has completely healed me of scoliosis. At a college worship night, God completely healed my shoulder. So about a year ago um, in a football game, I got hit wrong and uh, my shoulder ended up popping out of place. So the doctor told me that I ended up tearing my labrum, which is the cartilage that holds my shoulder in its socket. When I'd go to church and worship, I could only put my hands out in front because I could feel the tendons pulling in my shoulder. The pain was very severe. Um, I could feel it dislocate, you know, a couple times a week. I would have to pop my shoulder back into place. So I'm a freshman here at James River College, and one night we decided to have a worship night in our college apartments. We opened the room up uh, for healing, and I just remember a group of people coming laying hands on my shoulder. I could feel a burning sensation run down my arm. So ever since that night, I have felt no pain in my shoulder at all. Uh, my shoulder doesn't dislocate anymore. You know, I'm able to worship with my hands out wide. God completely healed my shoulder. On a Wednesday night, God completely healed my hand. For 10 years, I have suffered from this hand, my left side hand. Uh, the doctors say that I have uh, like a tore ligament and they, I think they call it the trigger hand. So every time I close it, it will stay locked and I have to use my own strength to open it. So I was constantly in pain every day and every night. I couldn't even sleep through the night without my hand getting locked up. So on a Wednesday night, Pastor John gave a word that there's someone here with, with their hand that have any either torn ligament or issue. I stepped out to the aisle and I had my hands up, but my hand was still in pain. So people started coming to pray for me. I felt the Holy Spirit. I feel my whole body was warm and I knew that I was being healed. So as, as a curious person, I said, let me test myself. Let me see if it's, you know? So I started closing my hand, both of them. Instantly that moment, God healed me. Ever since then, I don't have no more pain in my hand. I don't have no more issue. I can close them, I can open them no more pain, I can sleep normal. God completely healed my hand. On a Wednesday night, God completely healed me of Asperger's. I was about 10 years old when um, I was in fifth grade and I was doing second grade homework and I couldn't really retain anything. My parents were very concerned about that and they took me to get tested and we found out that I had Asperger's, a form of autism. I couldn't handle uh, fluorescent lights. Uh, I didn't like strobe lights. I couldn't handle those either. I didn't like anybody touching me at all. <laughs> I was one of those people who literally believed in the bubble. <laughs> and I could taste heavy metals in water. There was a word of knowledge given for a woman with brown hair who had Asperger's. I just kind of stood there and all these women started praying for me. It sounded like all the ladies were stopping praying and God's presence got really heavy over me and I was slain in the spirit. And my head started getting really hot and it felt like it was swelling. I knew God had healed me, but I really wanted to test it. I went and tasted some water out of a sink. I couldn't taste any heavy metals in it whatsoever. Uh, lights don't bother me. Uh, I've gone to concerts. I've went and helped at concerts. Um, I enjoy hugging people now. It's like, 
kind of cool. <laughs> and God has just completely healed me. On a Sunday morning, God completely healed my wrist. I was in a really bad car accident. After going to the ER, I had x-rays that had shown that I had actually broken my wrist. I was wearing a splint. I also had some calcium medication prescribed and I was doing different PT work. But the big thing was it hurt a lot. I was in a ton of pain most of the time. The doctors had said that it was only gonna last a month, but I was three months in and still nothing had healed like it was supposed to. So I was sitting in service on a Sunday and there was a word given that the Lord wanted to heal someone of a broken bone, but not just specifically any broken bone, one that had had complications just like mine. I had just my hands up and I was worshiping and I was praying for it to be healed and there was a pop in my thumb. And it was weird because with the broken bone, that thumb, it wasn't able to move. So it had been three months since it had moved at all and it just jolted. And I started just taking off the splint and I started to roll my wrist. And sure enough, I had complete full mobility back in the wrist. And since then, even to now, I've had no pain in my wrist. I went back to my doctor and had some x-rays done. And those x-rays did confirm for a fact that my wrist was healed. My name is John and on a Wednesday night prayer meeting, God completely healed my right arm. For about five or six years now, I've dealt with this pain in my right arm. It would shoot from my hand all the way up down to my elbow. And there was times I couldn't even grip. It would really minimize my ability to do things, do work in writing or even typing on a computer or anything like that. I've went to the doctor to get x-rayed to see what solutions there would be or therapy. Really, honestly, nothing had really helped. On a Wednesday night, a word of knowledge was given for healing. Someone had been dealing with pain in their right hand, leading all the way up to their elbow. So I immediately stood up, jumped in the aisle, and surrounded by so many people that, that prayed for me. And I just asked God to you know, do what he needs to do to receive my healing. And since that day, I've been able to write, I've been able to work, I've been able to grip, I've tested it. Both hands, I'm able to grip the equal amount on both my hands finally and zero pain whatsoever. God has completely healed my hand and my arm. On a Wednesday night, God completely healed my back. When I was in high school, I had a severe sports injury where in one motion, I popped my spine out of place, popped my hip out of place, and tore my hip flexor. I went to multiple chiropractors who tried to fix me, but no one could. The pain created so many problems in my life. I couldn't walk the dog without pain. I couldn't get dressed without pain. And if I sat down too long, it would cause stiffness in my lower back to where I would limp the rest of the day. I was desperate for healing. At prayer meeting, Pastor Savannah, she stood up on stage and she said, I believe that there is still people in this room who are having back issues. God wants to heal you tonight. And I knew that that word was for me. So I raised my hand and I had many people gather around me, laying their hands on me. I heard one of my friends out of the crowd saying, God, give her a brand new spine. And immediately I felt warmth on my lower back that felt like the heat of a hand. So I turned around a little bit just to see if that was my husband's hand, but no hand was there. I was being touched by the hand of God. Ever since that day, I no longer have any pain, no more stiffness. I don't walk with a limp. I couldn't wait to go to my chiropractor. He examined my back and with tears in his eyes, he said, Lindsay, 
it is as if you have a brand new spine. God has completely healed me. 